Back to JV to the pros. This is season two, episode 22. All twos, all deuces across the board, but it's not deuces yet. We're just getting started. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner, Corey Ramsey. Corey, are you there? I am here, you know, with the, all the twos. It's taking me back all the way to, you know, Chuck Willery and the love connection. Remember how he would do the two and two? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of right now. Two and two. How you doing, Chuck? <laughs> Don't you mean Jack? Let's see if we make a love connection tonight. Let's make a love connection. But you know what? Well, I'm, I'm going to make a love connection. I'm not going to have a lot of love. All right, but you know what? I'm going to make a love connection right now with, starting with, Robin with a Y. <laughs> Paco, the last man standing. Deuce is wild, baby. Yeah, Paco. And, 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 and NYC Karen. And the queen of queens. Hello. <laughs> She's still doing research for the show. The queen of queens doesn't stop working for some reason. I, I can't stop her. Aside from all the craziness in the news, tell me about how your weeks have gone, guys. Fabulous. Just nothing but work. That's it. Boring stuff. I will not bore people. Just work. So tell me, are you still in quarantine? Uh, no, actually, I got to go out this weekend and uh, went to the casino at Viejas. It was really nice. A little quiet, but it was very nice. I got to tell you, though, the social distancing uh, measures that they're taking, they're not taking any uh, anything likely. They got us like six feet apart. And, you know, my game is blackjack, so they got us uh, divided up in these little rows with plastic sheets in between us. And even then, I still got to wear a mask. Tell me, did you win? Uh, I broke even. Broke hey. even. That's like winning at a casino. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> You're not making any money? You're not losing any money? That's free trip to the casino. And drinks very were good. very cheap. All right, that's good. Yeah. So Paco broke win. I mean, broke even. I'm sorry. <laughs> broke even. Corey. Hey, oh Corey. You're treading water there, man. Calm down. I made a mistake. Karen and I had a, and I had a drive down from... Seattle got to see the entire West Coast all the way back to San Diego. That was kind of interesting. It's a beautiful. I'll, I'll I'll send you guys pictures, or Karen can post a couple of pictures on our um, Facebook page. But I'll tell you what, that's a part of the country I've never been to, and I'm sorry I've never been to. The Pacific Northwest is gorgeous. Yes, it is. Well, you know why? You two went during the best time, really, and that's between May. And August. We're really, really between July, June and August. But I'll tell you, if you had gone in, say, like February, dark and rainy. Really? Yes. It was very green. I can see that. Well, it's a rainforest. The entire the entire region is one big rainforest. So it rains a lot. Well, I, I lived in Portland. Say. Lived in Portland for eleven years. You did? Yes, I did. Well, that's a that's a gorgeous spot. It's a gorgeous spot. Mm. All right, let's pick it up. Once I got within about ninety miles of Seattle, the the whole visual nature and everything just kind of changed. Mm -hmm. So, um, I I once I got south of Seattle, I was fine again. But uh, Seattle is a pretty 
battered town. It's 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 not a town they're keeping very clean. All right. So people aren't tuning in because they want to hear about Seattle or Portland. Let's let's get into <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk topics here. Um, Robin, what do we have agenda tonight? Well, so we have a um, an email from one of our uh, listeners, and he has been really wonderful about the the uh, feedback he's giving us. He's giving us the pros and the cons, and he's got great feedback and great information. So uh, we heard from Jim again this week. Jim. Right. Jim. Hello, Jim. Oh, Jim. Hey, Jim. Yeah, so he said the pros. Karen had the funniest line of the night. Um, and this was season two, episode 17. So he lost credibility right there. <laughs> so her, the funniest line was, and people are running out of books to read. He said, doesn't she want to read your dog-eared copy of Rocky Three again? Also, she seems, to, she seems to be the adult in the room on many topics. When she said she didn't want to comment on that secret Catholic prediction because she hadn't studied Catholicism and didn't know much about the secret prediction, I thought, how refreshing to have one of you refuse to comment for such a reason. That was never, that has never stopped any of the rest of you, ever. Um, yes. And he said, your reasoning for the uptick in ratings for the NFL draft was astute. That's a 25 cent word. And he said, well done. So the cons? He said, our sound quality was horrible. And I will address that for a moment. Our sound quality is up and down every week because we are still social distancing and we're doing it remotely every single week. So unfortunately, our sound quality is affected week after week. We're doing our best to keep it at a nice level, uh, solid sound but unfortunately we do have challenges with that so on behalf of the whole team i apologize for any issues that you're anybody is experiencing with the sound it's just it is as frustrating for us as it is for the, the listeners and so, virtual hugs for everybody a frustrated ventriloquist <laughs> <laughs> so uh he said that the sound was unbearably treble-y um, also, somebody was thumping the mic for the first 10 minutes or so. He assumes that we did this episode remotely. Isn't that astute of him? So um, so he said our tech guy Paco couldn't balance the volume or the treble. Be wary of political discussions with Corey. He simplifies and qualifies and reduces your arguments by saying you hate Trump, which is a truth. Um, I mean, it is a true statement. He said, he, he said, Jim continues and says, he then goes on to equate falling asleep in a press conference with telling people to drink bleach. This is not the fault of the media. Trump is perhaps the most powerful man in the world and a complete idiot. And I concur. So this is why, one, let me say this. One, Jim, thank you, and please weigh in. But see, this is why, this is... This is why words are so important, because we'll have to play it back, and I'm certainly going to listen. I don't think I ever said that it's the same between a press conference from Ronald Reagan falling asleep to Trump saying it's okay to drink bleach, which he never said, by the way. Well, so words really matter. It was George Bush who passed out during a press conference. I don't know. Reagan. 
I don't know. I don't know. Reagan had the rumor of falling asleep. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of that going on. So, but I never said that the two are the same. All right. So, so that's. Uh, I gotta say, do Jim finish with "Keep up the good work." Yes. Oh yeah, and I want Jim. I want Jim to call in one of these days. I know he doesn't want to. He's scared. But I would love. <laughs> I'm sure he's not scared. I'm but I would love kidding. for him to come. And I would love to have a very peaceful debate with him. Excellent. And we can go because what's that? I will side and let you two put your toes on the line because he's a very, I know Jim. Jim's a very reasonable, very intelligent man. And he was for many, many years professor at one of the absolute top schools in Hill County. And All the more reason why I would love to debate with him then if he's a professor. <laughs> I would love to take on a professor. But, in all, but you know what? It would all be in fun because, Jim, I'm going to tell you this. I really appreciate you and you writing in and, your honest and, giving, us, and giving us feedback. And we do take it to heart. So thank you very much. And please keep listening, keep writing, and we're going to give you a shout out every time we can. Yeah, yes. Thanks for watching. So that's that's our little tidbit of feedback this week. So let me ask you something. Has anything unusual happened in the news this week? Because we were road and um, kind of unaware of what was going on. Anything significant? Nothing significant is going on right now. Nothing whatsoever. It's been quiet here. What do you guys think? <laughs> Has it been quiet here? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. See, and people say I'm not that funny. Look at that. You're a funny guy. Hey, like good fellas, you're a funny guy. Hey, just remember, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out that gun. Don't say I'm a funny guy. Like I like I amuse you? you I'm a funny guy? Like I amuse you? I said, okay, so we're gonna be shifting gears, playing a little bit of catch up. So where are we heading to, Robin? Okay, so we are going to pounce all over the the topic of uh, the fallout from the murder of George Floyd. And um, of course, as everybody knows, across the country, we have had uh, riots and protests and all kinds of violence. Um, unfortunately, the media is only showing the violence, but there are also a whole lot of peaceful protests going on, which I, I think is important to, to highlight. But um, yeah, from coast to coast, North to south, uh, there are protests and riots everywhere. Even here in San Diego. So the bottom line is that, the bottom line is is that you have racial tensions that have always been in this country. Yes. Boiling over once again. So this is so, and I and from my standpoint, it's not like that. This is the first time that something like this happened, and I know that a lot of people are thinking that, wow, it's never been so bad. I'm one to say that the racism and everything and the tension has always been there, and this is yet another reason for people to protest. What say the rest of you? Seems comparable to 1965, where they're just burning the town down. But the other thing that's becoming more and more evident is that many of these violent rioters are not only orchestrated, but very well, maybe 
hired to exactly do this and counter the peaceful testing that is going on with that intention. I agree with what you're saying, Jack. There are groups out there and individuals that are hired to cause insurrection, to you know, infiltrate groups, to cause problems, to discredit, to distract, to deflect from the real issues. You see it all the time in black ops. That's one of the things that happens with the military and black ops in other countries. You know, demonstrations, students, race riots, all those types of things. So could that be happening here? I would say it's possible, more than likely, because it does distract. It does distract from some of the issues and some of the many people that are protesting peacefully. Well, let me explain something to you. On, on our travels back from Redding, California to San Diego, which is about a 750-mile trip, um, Karen and I stopped in Temecula. And you know how, like, if you're at a ball game and somebody says, let's go Yankees, and then more and more people join in? We were in downtown Old Town Temecula, California, when in unison, it all began at the same time, and some 100 or 120 people all dressed in costumes, wearing George Floyd masks, and frankly, um, I would say almost everybody in the group were black people, and they were, began chanting at the same moment, at the same time, and they all began trying to get in the faces of white people enjoying a beer, or having a glass of wine, or having a burger in Old Town Temecula, which is about a six block span, and they weren't bothering anybody, and, and these people, these protesters, frankly, I've been there a million times, and I've never seen any of these people before. And the crowd that hangs out in Old Town Temecula is usually the same crowd again and again because they're from Temecula. These guys, I've never seen there before. And they all seem to be, they all seem to have been dropped off, put at one end of Temecula, and then on cue began chanting and trying to basically antagonize and instigate something. So that's what makes me think this is actually an orchestrated effort. Well, Jack, first of all, you don't know all the residents of Temecula. So because you haven't seen them there before doesn't mean that they're not from, that they're not local. They're black, so they're different than the whites. But I'm sure that Temecula has black people that live there. Very small population of black people in Temecula. Um, there was a diverse I, group of people that were, were in this group. There, there was a large, diverse group. So I can uh, uh, corroborate, sorry to interrupt, uh, on Jack's story. I, I saw something interesting today. So um, they just started opening dine-in restaurants in Chula Vista. And when I sat to eat with my uncle, we were having lunch. I noticed, uh, so the Chili's I went to, I frequent, see, I live in East Lake, in, which is the uh, eastern uh, part of Chula Vista. And for the most part, it is uh, it is uh, pr predominantly Mex Hispanic, Mexican. And of course, you get Filipino, mostly military families. Our, the African-American population is uh, so, like just like what Jack is saying. It's very small. But I noticed at that particular restaurant that there were more, uh, more African-Americans than I usually notice. But however, I just got the word from a friend of mine in law enforcement, and he was telling me that, they, uh, that there's intelligence that Black Lives Matter is planning a, uh, 
a, a protest on this Thursday at the Eastlake County Community Park, which is only about six blocks from my house. So I'm thinking they're kind of doing what uh, Jack is suggesting. They're trying to get a feel of the place and trying to figure what's going on. Because I, I, because they stuck out a little bit to me, and I'm thinking like, hmm. I mean, of course, I don't, but uh, that's my opinion. Well, what I was, what I was trying to say to Robin, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to sit there and 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 paint it with a broad stroke, but I have been over the last 15 years in Temecula probably 200 times a year, and that's a conservative number, where I've been in Old Town Temecula, and the population of Temecula is not a huge population. That's the first thing. The second thing is I have seen the same classic cars. People bring their classic cars there all the time to cruise like American graffiti, and it's the same people hanging out over and over. And yes, I don't know everybody in Temecula, but this was a large group of people that it seemed like nobody in Old Town knew. Everybody seemed unfamiliar. Whereas if you walk down the street in, in Old Town Temecula, people are saying hello to each other regularly because they're used to seeing each other down there all the time because it's a six block kind of night spot where people go have a drink, have a little dinner, and go home. Yeah, I and got this it. was not I, the case here. Yeah, I no, got it. But it's the I same principle. I, I we're doing it. Time out, though. We're doing it right now. I think we're getting bogged down on the issues. I don't. It doesn't matter who was at Temecula, who's black, who isn't, or who's white. I think that the issue is, the real issue that I want to get into is the racial tensions that are boiling over. Yes. That is the yeah. real. That's the real issue. Decades and the, decades of racial tension that has built up and built up, and you know they put a little bandaid on it here and there and try to placate the crowd, but enough is enough. And, and you know, for this me, is the third incident in, in about a month. This yes. is the third incident against yes. the black population in like a month, and it, yes. they've all been high profile and they've all had dire consequences. And and yes. I understand, I don't relate, but I understand that something needs to be done and drastic action is necessary. I agree well, with that completely. Well, here's where I I'm going to go. I don't think looting is an answer. I don't think going to neighboring communities and beating up downtown La Mesa, like what seems to have happened between Spring Valley and La Mesa, I don't think that was an answer either. I don't think taking some store owner who is struggling and wiping them out by stealing everything is any sort of a solution. I think we all agree on that. I, yeah. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's anybody that disagrees. Rarely am I hundred percent right. Where I want to go, but yeah, well, I mean, but that's the easy take though. Where I want to go is I want to go where it makes people a bit uncomfortable because I don't think we take the dialogue where it needs to go. Because I read on Facebook and I read on Twitter and everybody says, you know what, there needs to be peace, there needs to be love. Nobody, very few people go out of their way to talk about things. It's very easy for athletes to say, you know what, I want peace, there needs to be peace. But no one's really going out of the way and saying some things that need to be said. One of the things that I'm going to say that I take issue when people say this is that it's as bad as it's ever been. That is something that I take as a black man that I take issue with. Let me throw something at you. Just from, from 1900 to 1970, 
there was reported 1970, so only what, 50 years ago, 407,052 lynchings in that time, in that time period. What period? In a 70 year period. And that's just what was reported. Now, from 1963 all the way up to 2020, including what's going on right now, there's been 100 documented, 151 protests for various things going on, protests or they were called civil unrest. So in other words, if people look at their history, this happens on a regular basis. This happens almost every year. If you think back, there have been protests, there have been marches for things going on. Well, protests are one thing, but but riots and violence are another. No, and again, this is where I say that people don't know their history. Let me throw something out uh, at you. 1980, in Miami, you had four police officers that killed a black Hispanic motorcycle rider. And what they did was they beat him and laughed about it and said that his head was cracked like an egg. They even ran over his motorcycle to make it seem like that it was a motorcycle accident. The medical examiner completely disagreed and said it looked like the man was beaten. Police officers go on trial. They are acquitted. Everything's good, and there was a big riot in Miami. But again, how many people know this? And I could cite you so many examples of this kind of stuff, but people don't know. And that is the thing I'm going to tell you. For me, as a black man, that is one of the things that I find disturbing when people say it's as bad as it's ever been. Because I can assure you, those individuals that have gone through systemic racism, number one, or two, have parents, grandparents, who have gone through you know, hoses and being whipped, even being lynched, would completely disagree with the people that say that. So that's that's where I'm going with this. I think think many people that are older are probably very concerned that we're heading in the direction where things culminated and exploded with, and I know, Corey, you'll know this name. You know Emmett Till? Yes. In the 1950s, of course I know. Right. Now, that woman, this woman, who absolutely lied, admitted she lied after the fact. This poor man was falsely accused of raping this woman, and without any evidence or anything, upon his very quick conviction by an all-white jury, they, they, they gouged out his eyes, they shot him in the head, they, they 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 tied his body to a cotton gin fan. Okay, so we don't really get graphic. Time 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 time. Time out. You actually, he That's, didn't even go to jury. That was not yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, he he was. Yeah, he he was tried and convicted by the white guys that decided that he did wrong, and also he wasn't a man. He was a boy. He was a boy. Yes. Yes, he was a fourteen-year-old boy. Was, he was a boy that was destroyed in the streets in front of an audience and people were fine with it. And I think that is that is the most extreme it's ever been. But I think people are very concerned 
in the black community that it seems to be comfortably heading in that direction. And there is a thing that Corey and I talked about um, earlier about this white silence. People are like, oh yeah, something should be done, but there's a white silence that's going on. And people are like, okay, as long as it's not affecting me, mm -hmm. I'm fine. All right, but see, here's where I'm gonna, here's my take on the white silence thing. I'm okay with whites being silent if they're not educated on things and some of the things that they say. And that's why I jump on people when they say it's as bad it's as, or it's never been this bad. Because then that tells me that they have no clue in terms of what is going on. And so, yes, you mentioned Emmett Till, but there have been so many situations beyond uh, Emmett Till, beyond that horrific tragedy. And even before that, you've had towns utterly destroyed because people have been upset because blacks have been prosperous. And how many people know about that? How many people know about Tulsa in 1921? You know, it's or, the not, Atlanta, or the Atlanta riots? And it's not in history books. At least when no, I was no, in high school, I mean, no, I've been out of no. high school for 30 years, but it was not in history. No, the curriculum was not teaching kids any of this. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. I mean, there's there's a um, um, uh, a thing, in, I think it's in Atlanta, where they have a bunch of hanging posts representing every <laughs> black man that was lynched in that, in that area. And they have all of these cement posts hanging from what seems to be ropes. And I forget where this, where that um, sculpture is, but it was on 60 Minutes a few months ago. And I, and I looked at it and I thought, oh my God, each one of those hanging posts represents a human being. And they were, they were hanged for no reason, for the most part, other than the fact that they were convicted on their skin color. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, um, I don't want to be a silent voice in, in regard to this. I don't have a problem speaking up, but I won't stand by people that are purposely looting and doing things that are just simply opportunist rather than really trying to make a change. So then here's my recommendation. I'm ready. And I would say for you to say, and I say this to all of my white brothers and sisters, educate yourself. Take a look at history and get to know history. And then you can really speak on what's going on right now. Because there are many blacks who will tell you in terms of the systemic racism, they will tell you that it has always been there. And it is really only the media now that shows it to you now. I mean, think about what I just told you about Miami. I'm sure that the three of you, four of you, had no idea that that had happened in Miami. You'd have to look it up. Or even what I'm talking about in Tulsa in 1921. And so, and even if I bring it current, if I take it from the 1920s and bring it more current and start looking at why people have been angry and why people have been writing, this stuff has been going on. So Google it, start reading about that stuff and then you'll realize that no, it's not worse. It is the same. Well, it's just been quiet. But so we, we may not know the history like you do. However, it doesn't stop us from being compassionate and and being uh, passionate about change. 
about there needing to be change. I don't need well, to know uh, the history to know that there needs to be change. Well, well said, Robin. Well said. No, you don't. No, you don't need to know. You don't need to know the history. But if you really want to help, so the idea is to help because mm -hmm. I can appreciate the compassion. And I think what frustrates a lot of blacks now is it's beyond compassion. What are you actually going to do? And that's why people are marching. And so what I'm saying is, if you want to do something, educate yourself. Because it's easy to be compassionate. You can look at something and say, oh, you know, I'm sorry. Oh, that's terrible. And then move on. But, what, but if you really break it down, what does that do for the disenfranchised person? You being compassionate. Every time something like this happens, where we're just going to burn this town to the ground, that's not the solution. I mean, as a matter Agreed. of fact, I just read today that in Minneapolis, there was, there was a whole development for low-income people that they burned it around and it burned it to the ground. And it was meant for people who are struggling economically and it's gone. Yeah. That's not a solution. Well, I think we all, I think we all agree on that, that it's not a solution, but I'm talking about in terms of what individuals can do. And I'm saying, educate yourself because compassion now it's about action. So compassion okay. Yeah, that's great. So then I would ask, as a white woman, what can I do? Besides, aside from educating myself, what action can I take to make, to affect change? That's a fantastic question. You can, start, you can start, A, writing your, congress, uh, writing your congressman. Start taking a look at some of the systemic racism and start talking to your friends and having uncomfortable conversations with your friends and see if you can do the grassroots, grassroots change. And maybe you can sway one person mm -hmm. and get another person to write. And that's where it starts. Because what you can do is, here's the thing, it's so big, I don't expect a person to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to change everything because that's not going to happen. But each person individually, they just need to start doing that. I said, I think the other problem is that once these politicians are in office, they're really not interested in reading many emails or suggestions or, or, or looking at any input. They're doing whatever the hell they want to do until it's time to run for re-election. I think that's also part of the problem. They're not really doing their job during the time that they're in the job. They're only in the job to basically the nature of the beast is to figure out how to keep the job. Yes. So the way to do that is to hit them in their wallet. So I think one of the things that needs to happen is you go towards the wallet. If there's a place that you believe, you know, goes along with racism and not doing anything, don't give them your business. You go back to the days of the Rat Pack when Sammy Davis Jr. was treated very poorly. Frank Sinatra, who was the um, undesignated leader of that uh, of the pack, said, "Okay, you know what? We're not going to play there," and no one played. Just like in the South, when they really wanted change, the blacks decided, "You know what? We're not going to ride the bus. We're not going to shop at your stores." That caused change. Not burning, looting, and things hit people in their wallet. And politicians, yes. They want to be elected. 
So that's where you start grassroots change like that. The politicians will listen. It starts a groundswell, a chain, uh, a chain reaction, and there's a S storm that comes up. We all know curse word, S word, S storm that comes up, and then the politicians will believe in terms of what what goes on. The other thing, one more thing, one more thing. Let me get this out, and then you guys can chime in. One more thing. There needs to be what I call law enforcement reform. Most and where I'm, and where I'm going with that is, you need. Law enforcement, I would clean out a lot of the knuckleheads that you have there, or I shouldn't say a lot, but you have a few knuckleheads. Clean them out the good old and retrain them. Absolutely positively retrain them, and you need to have open recruitment for minorities. Minorities need to see darker-skinned people wearing blue. I don't think... When you say that you you, you want to, I understand you want to have minorities in there, but as far as as far as that goes, you know, my father was part of the FBNY, and they actually tried that, where they actually lowered their standards for the written test, so that minorities could take, you know, the exam and pass it. How long ago was this? Uh, that had to be in, let me see, we moved in the Canada. I want to say late 70s. Okay, so we're talking about 45 years from now. So when I say recruitment and things like that, I would question, are they going into schools? Are they going into inner city schools and actually doing recruitment? So in other words, law enforcement officers going into low-income places where you know there are a lot of minorities sitting down with them and saying, hey, listen, you know what? Here are the benefits well, of being on my I can I can answer for for the FDNY and the NYPD. And yes, okay. they do. All right. So that's one area. And I'm talking right. about in the country. But, and that was probably 45 years ago. So I say do it again. Do that. They still do that now. Okay, so, for, for I, okay. All... so I was a school teacher in 1992 in Portland, Oregon, and I did not see any police officers come in and do that. And I taught in the inner city as well, and I didn't see it. So what I'm saying is they need to do a better job of recruiting, number one. Across the and, country. And number two, no, I'm not saying lower standards. I think that's ridiculous. I think there are many qualified minorities who can do just fine. So I think with that, no, you don't lower standards for anybody. And but I think you need to do a better job of recruiting. And and there are a whole lot. This may come as a surprise to a lot of people, but there are a whole lot of really intelligent, dark-skinned people. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that's one of the solutions uh, there. And there needs to be mental health training, or rather, I'm sorry, but better mental health for police officers. Because see, here's the thing. PTSD is only looked at for military, but not really for police officers. And I think, and there needs to be psyche valves, and there needs to be better fitness training for police officers. I mean, how many fat cops are we seeing? What's oh, and I mean, that's ridiculous. That's completely ridiculous. So, I mean, uh, when I say law enforcement reform, 
take a look at the entire thing, the entire curriculum, tear it down, and build it back up. And the, in, and improve the standards, because there are fat black police officers, there are a ton of flat, fat white police officers, and there are fat every ethnicity police officers. So, yeah, that's a standard that definitely needs to be improved. Now, let me, let me, point, let me point something out that Karen just pulled up. In sure. the last 96 hours, which is basically from Saturday to now, uh-huh. a Las Vegas Metropolitan Police officer was shot in the back of the head while struggling with a rioter. An active shooter opened fire on law enforcement in a Las Vegas courthouse. St. Louis police officers were shot by an active shooter. A, a New York police officer was struck by a vehicle by a rioter. Buffalo law enforcement um, officers were struck by a vehicle in front of the police station. Davenport law, um, law enforcement officers were ambushed and one was shot. And it goes on and on and I on. I agree. And there's some where they're fatally... Um, they, uh, there is one here that uh, police officers were... Um, Injured by gunfire. Yes. Uh, so there's no dispute. Uh, there's no disputing that there have been there has been major violence. That's what we started out saying right. that these protests are turning violent, and right. the violence. And Fifty Secret Service agents that were injured by a Molotov cocktail in Washington. Okay, so again, you're you're just proving the point that these are violent protests. So, yes. They're pro. They're violent, and so, we've got an, an abundance of violence. So, so let me say this: the violent, the people that are doing that kind of stuff, they need to be suppressed. And so, what I don't want to do is mix issues, because I agree, people that are firing at law enforcement and doing that kind of stuff, they need to be dealt with. They're they need wrong. Need to be dealt with appropriately. Now, now, let me let me say something to you, Corey. Now, I woke up this morning. And before I went on a 30-mile bicycle ride, I posted on Facebook because it was eating at me throughout the night. And it occurred to me that in three and a half years of the current administration, we have not had a president who has stood up and said, let's work together. Let's unify. Let's unite as a country. Let's be a nation. We have instead had somebody who was fragmenting this country constantly. And that kind of leadership needs to be removed in November. Amen. So I I agree. We have not had that person come up. But I'll tell you, when that happened, what I just and I can give you many examples, but let's just take about the one let's just talk about the one that I just gave you in 1980. Did and there were riots going on. The current president at, at that time did not stand up and say, hey, let's all just get along. So the reason why I I'm a big proponent of not so much focusing on administration because I think it removes personal responsibility from each person. Now, wait, and that's, that's my fear. And that's my, here's the thing. I don't disagree with a lot of the things that you were saying about the current administration. I just don't focus on that. I focus well, I, on the individual. I, I, say, I know, just let me finish. Just let me get to say. Right, go ahead, go ahead. I just focus on the individual. And the thing is, I focus on the individual who the overt prejudice and racist people and then the covert prejudice and racial people that sometimes that white folks or Caucasian individuals won't see, 
but black individuals, they detect. And it comes out in their words, it comes out in their actions. And their expressions. And they show their expressions and they show themselves. Yes. And so that has nothing to do with an administrative person. The country was pulling itself apart in 1980. That administration actually, and I'm going to contradict you, that administration was Jimmy Carter. And he absolutely requested that people take a breath and step back and start working as a country. I about mean, what? About what? About it race? Reagan, it wasn't was it about Reagan race? My question is, was it about race? It wasn't, but it wasn't Ronald Reagan. Oh, it wasn't about race. Reagan okay. doesn't come in until 81. I, all right, so it wasn't about race then. He didn't say come together about race. No. See, all right, so that's my point. Yeah, I haven't had one do that. And whenever lynchings, lynchings and things going on, you didn't have presidents step in and stop that mm. or tell governors to say, hey, you know what, you can't do that. As recently as 1980, I have seen down south as far as still signs that, that were left up as far as, you know, whites only, you know, no Negroes allowed. In the 1980s, I'm sure they've, they're taken down now. You didn't have presidents step in. So what I'm saying is this is an individual thing. People need to look inside of themselves and really be honest. Am I racist or am I not? That's the thing. Don't look at, do not look at who is the administrator, who is the president and who's in the White House. Just look in the mirror and be honest with yourself. That's what I want. In 1918 or 19, Woodrow Wilson, then the president of the United States, showed had a screening in the White House of a movie called Birth of a Nation. Remember, yes. it, completely, it completely depicted black people as basically animals. Yes. And then after that screening, he made an announcement to the nation explaining that unfortunately, this film depicts black people as they are, and that's true. And this was the president of the United States. And frankly, I think that kind of division in that administration with Woodrow Wilson being a complete racist, I believe this administration is that kind of a racist administration as well. Well, see, you already had the uh, one of the peak periods of the Ku Klux Klan at that time. So again, I don't even blame that on Woodrow Wilson. That's individuals at that time. And so that film, which was done by D.W. Uh, Griffith, was all that did all that did was just reinforce people but it didn't it didn't change in terms of what's internal and so again i'm going to say this and i'm going to keep saying this and this is the thing that i'm telling you if you want to help if if other folks really want to help stop focusing on who is in office and tell each person to focus on themselves and their household and raise your children better what comes out of your mouth? I'm sorry, Robin. What comes out of your mouth needs to be better. What you teach your children. Every time you say a racial slur, you're contributing to it. That's the thing that people don't want to hear. You are a contributor to that. So they want to look at the president. But what are you actually doing? Are you contributing yourself? I agree with that. But I think what Jack is trying to say is, Yes, it is incumbent upon us, each of us, 
to be better and to raise our children better and to work more toward unity. However, it helps tremendously when you've got the president of the United States, the highest person of the country, saying that same message and saying, please, let's unify. I don't see where it's helped. So in other words, in the history, in the history of this country, I don't see where it's helped. If someone can point that out to me, then I'll then maybe I'll change my stance. But I haven't seen it. Wow. Okay. Well, I think, I think much of the country depends. I I think much of the country depends on our leadership, and unfortunately, people like you and I, we stand on our own two feet. We make our own decisions. We have our own minds. But there's a great deal of the country that looks at it like, hey, president said it's okay. It's okay. All right. So, all right. So let me give you this. That's part of the reason why many people aren't wearing masks. Okay. So let me give you this. He to wear a mask during gotcha. a pandemic. He I got it. This. I got it. Let me give you this then. So let's go back to the Clinton administration. So he was not faithful to his wife. We'll just say that. Nor was without, Kennedy. Without jokes. So we'll just say he wasn't faithful to his wife and it was made public. And the country knew that. So then... If I'm married to a woman, then I can just say, oh, you know what? I can be unfaithful to my wife because the president did it. Hang on. Is Hang that on. what you're saying? Let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind you of something, and you're going to sit there and go, you know what, Jack? True. <laughs> president Clinton was telling people basically a blowgee, and we all know what that is, a blowgee isn't really cheap. That's unfaithful and, to your wife. I don't want to hear that. No, I'm not going to oh, say if, that. That's if, ridiculous. If Corey came home and said, oh, somebody, somebody did that to me, I'd be like, that they cheated unfaithful. on me. That is unfaithful so, to your wife. But, so but people were, were using that as a source of reasoning because if the president looks at that as not cheating, it's not cheating. And that was going <laughs> rampant in 1996. Then, then that tells you the problem that we have in this country. So then there you go. We just have it. So if people aren't capable of thinking and, and doing critical thinking, like Stephen Kimbrough and I and you were talking about, then it is a big problem. Because there you have it right there. So then if it was good enough for President Clinton, then great. Then I can get smokers from any woman that I want, and, and my wife should be okay with it because the president did. Yeah, no, not happening. Let me, let me, let me tell you something. Well, well. Karen and I were up in in um, in Washington. We're in a brand new Mercedes, and a black family in like a 1996 Explorer without windows pulled up and began circling it and looking in the windows. And I told my boss, because I happened to be on the phone with him at the time, that there's some people looking in the windows of the Mercedes. And I told the manager at the hotel, because this was in the hotel parking lot, that you need to go out there with me, there's something wrong. And as soon as I approached them, and I said, what are you doing looking in my car? The wife said, what are you racially profiling us because we're black? And the kids began being verbally, and they're 10 years old, and they began being verbally abusive to me because, quote, whitey is giving them a hard time for being black. This is what they began teaching these kids at a young age. And I was, in, I was wondering why, they were not guests at the hotel. They pulled up next to this brand new Mercedes. They're looking in the windows, and everything about it stinks. And they right away played the race card on me. 
And so here's my police. So here's my message based off of what you just said, which doesn't have anything to do with what I just said about Clinton, but that's okay. I'll address mm-hmm. what, what you just said. I my message to all minorities, do not become what you hate. So in other words, if they hate racism, then do not be racist yourself. Do not be prejudiced because you look at a white person. Do not automatically think that that person is going to do something to you. So that is where black families need to teach and need to be like how my parents taught me. You know what? Because all the racism racism that I dealt with as a child in my household, my parents said, you know what? You better not ever make any racial slur. And they taught me, do not become what you hate. Do not be like them. Be better than them. So the people people that did that to you and Karen are 100% wrong. I say say that's a great spot to wrap this up because, frankly, you and I can go all night on this. We could. And and, and that's just because we've got a a, a wealth of ammunition about it. But let's, let's go to a break. Let's go to let's go to a bar none commercial and we'll come back and we'll shift gears. What do you say? Beautiful. Sounds let's perfect. Do it. All right. So I was checking into barnone1.com and seeing all that they offer. Barnone the number one.com. They have certified and qualified professional bartenders and servers that make party guests feel like they're living the high life. Bar None can be contacted at 619-952-9414 and that will be the first step to getting your event on track. Bar None will help you prepare the kind of event that is greater than you imagined. They've done this for years and they know what they're doing, so they can answer your questions and guide you to a successful and memorable event. Call Bar None at 619-952-9414 and let them handle these details so that your guests have a great time with a professional server who knows how to take care of their guests. Now, they know how to make your guests feel like they're going to have a great time in part because the work that Bar None does for an event is unparalleled. Call Bar None at 619-952-9414 and get the process started for your next event with Bar None. Tell them JV to the pros sent you. And we're back to JV to the pros. And that was a passionate, passionate segment. But I'm, I'm very glad to know that we are passionate about it. I'm glad we care. And um, we're going to shift gears a little bit. Um, not quite as intense. But Robin, you know the next topic. Why don't you uh, enlighten the listeners and we'll move on. Okay. So the next topic is um, just a story I read about this past week that I found to be very disturbing. So there is a parenting YouTuber named Micah Stauber, and she and her husband have um, four biological children, and they adopted a little toddler from China, a little boy. Um, and actually, they adopted him three years ago. And so the, before they adopted the child, they were informed that he had neurological problems and that his care, when he got older, would be very challenging. Wait a second. Was, they, was this informed by a doctor or by a friend? No, by a doctor. Okay. By the Chinese doctor and the adoption agency. And they said... 
no problem. We are, we have our hearts set on this child. We're so excited and we're not going to return him. This isn't, you know, this is child is not returnable. So they actually also has autism. Yes, I know. But at that time they didn't know that, but they also had his medical records and his CAT scan reviewed by their doctor here in the States. And their doctor said, you know, I strongly disagree and I think you guys should not adopt this child because he does have a number of neurological problems and he's going to require an immense amount of care the older he gets. And they said, no, 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 we're going to adopt him. So fast forward three years, the child has been with the family for three years. They've since had a fourth biological child. So now they have five children. And in the last week or two, they announced that they are going to give the child to actually rehome the child to another family who can adequately take care of him and who is a better match for him. And they're so happy that they found their forever home for the child. And I am sickened that, first of all, parents would do this with their children and second of all, that they would refer to the child, they're rehoming the child into a forever home. That's what you say about doing it with pets and with animals. So I think it's just, I think it's disgusting and it's ugly. And I've seen YouTube videos with the, with the mother and she's like, oh, we're, we're just, oh, we're so sad. And we've like, we've just like grieved about it. And like, and she's just going on and on and it's just disgusting. And well, you so, know, they've had the kid for three years. Yes. Okay, three years. I mean, yes. that, I mean, let's let's face it. That's fifteen percent of of all the life, like up to eighteen. That's like you're well on your way. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I think, and and correct me if I'm wrong. I think she's treating it like a like a you know a return policy at Costco. Like, right. I, I mean, this is a child, and the child yes. has only known her and yes. the family. And right. even if the kid is autistic, the kid still only knows them. You can't just and what's what was the expression you kept saying? Rehoming. Rehome. I've never yes. heard that before. That's, that's for what they use at shelters. Oh, yeah, they used to so like if I, wanted, if I wanted to give one of my cats away, I would rehome my cat. Oh my god. So. Yeah, this is a child. And like they were one of the problems was um there was some kind of adoption related thing. So like the boy had trauma getting used to the family. And so he's been there for three years and this poor little boy is now going to be um sent off to another family to redo all that trauma and relive all of those horrible things that he's already gone through. I just I think it's just I think it's the saddest situation, and I think it's disgusting that this family did that. Did they yeah. actually adopt the child, or was this foster care? No, they no, they actually adopted the child. They adopted him from China, and they made a big deal about it too on their on their vlog. They had the V L O G. They um. They were like, oh, China, this baby is from China. And they were making a huge deal about it. And then they did 27 videos with the child in them. And all of those videos, those YouTube videos, were monetized. So they were making money off of this child. 
every time they did a video with him. Okay, so how was how was how were they making money? I don't understand that part. I don't understand. I don't know how money works on um, YouTube, but they were making. Well, I do to a degree. So, like, I could say, "Oh, I'm going to um, make chocolate chip cookies, and I'm going to use Nestle morsel chocolate morsels," and so Nestle will pay me to say that. This lady is a big time parenting vlogger. She has like. She, I think she used to have about a hundred thousand. No, no, I'm sorry, almost um, a million subscribers, and she's down to seven hundred thousand now because she's just such a horrible person. So here's my take on the situation. I am glad that the mother, that the family gave up the child. They were unworthy of the child. Yes, and his love. They were exploiting and getting money off this. Better that they gave up the child so they didn't get frustrated, lose patience, and start abusing the child. True. So I think it was the best thing that could have happened. Yeah. So for something something like one of the kids begins to come in on the bar, comes in with bad grades. I mean, do they do they rehome that kid? Exactly. And that's what people. I mean, like, and and I will say, I am a parent. I am human. I have not been the best parent in the world. I've done my best. And I have at times been extremely challenged as a parent. I have three beautiful, healthy children. And I am grateful beyond belief that my children are all healthy. But and so I understand when I understand that other people do not have healthy children. And so I I get that concept. But even at that, I mean, with some of the frustrations I've had as a parent, I have never for a half a second thought, oh God, I'm gonna get rid of these kids. I've joked with my kids over the years, I'm gonna sell you on eBay. But they (laughs) laugh, I laugh, they know it's a joke. They know I'm not going to do that. Although I could fetch a pretty penny because I've got beautiful kids. It makes her smart. And I know this is a different take, but we have so many parents that hold on to children that shouldn't. So somehow my take is, and this is just my take, and we can go back and forth on this, which I won't, but they recognize, you know what? We don't want this. As bad as that is, it would have been worse if they had kept the child. So better that the child goes to a loving home and that's that. We get all riled up. I don't know. I'm glad. Yeah. So I mean, from keep in mind that there was an agency working with this family, an adoption agency was working with the family to quote unquote rehome this poor child. And so, um, that's so you know, and and also just recently there is um uh I think it's the sheriff's department that uh, the Ohio sheriff's office is actually trying to locate him and find out what's going on. So they are they are investigating it out of the old why would the police department. why would the police not be able to find the kid? Exactly. If they, especially if they're working with a legitimate adoption agency? Exactly. And so, so did they sell the child too? That would be my other thing. Okay, so we're going to give them up for adoption and are they making financial gains in this process? So it sounds like we don't have, and maybe this is a good place to leave, because then it sounds like we don't have the answers. Because then 
if that's the case, if they sold the child, then what I said, you know, gets whitewashed mm -hmm. completely. So it I think maybe sounds, it also sounds like this kid. So was why, 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 Jack, Jack. Sometimes you talk over me, and I, I'm in the midst of talking, and then you'll jump right in. So just let me just let me get this out. If we don't have all the information, so maybe it's better that we take a breath and take a step back and wait until we get everything. We don't know everything yet. Right. That's just my point. All right. What I was saying was, it sounds to me like this kid may have been a marketing ploy to turn a, to turn a buck. But they waited three years to do that? Like they made money over this kid, and then maybe the kid's value began to drop, and it was time to, quote, unquote, rehome him, which I hate that expression. Yeah, it, I mean, again, we can speculate and speculate, but I think maybe we give this story a little bit time to be on the stove, and let's see if it boils. I, I just, for me, I'm not going to comment any further because we just, there's so many unknowns. Good place so to stop. Yes. Yeah. And we're back. JB and the pros. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner, Corey Ramsey. How you doing, Corey? Fantastic. I, I think we have so much that we've talked about. I think we're not going to be able to get to our other stuff. Well, I'll tell you, what, you why don't we why don't we put the um, movies of the first 10 years of the 21st century, put them off the next, next week, and um, why don't we offer the listeners – that if they have any suggestions for the movies from um, 2000 to 2010 and TV shows, we'll mention it on the show next week. Um, I do want to say, since we just did one of our sponsors, uh, Jackson Lewis, the Jackson Lewis family grew by one as John and Molly had a baby boy, and Molly and I are so close, they named the baby boy Jack. I'm not going to get into that whole story, but um, I did lose a certain amount of bets as I had John as gay. So, <laughs> no, actually, I've known John for years. We've had lunch and dinners together many times. I'm very happy for he and his family, and I wish them all the best. And I'm just so, so glad that they that this went smoothly in the wake of everything that was going on. But I wish I wish John and Molly all the best and baby Jack all the best. Um, if you need to get a hold of us, we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, JV to the Pros on Instagram. You can email us at JV to the Pros at gmail.com. And you can leave your comments and compliments on Facebook at JV and Pros, all spelled out, and on Facebook. I'm Jack Vecchio, and I'm sitting here with the queen of Queens from Queens, New York, Karen. And my partner, Corey Ramsey. Corey, you want to do the rest of the sign-off? Yes, so I'm here with Robin with a Y. Hi. Producer. Okay. <laughs> Paco, the last man standing, who's uh, taking care of business. <laughs> TCB, so, yes. And for all those out there, for all those out there that are starving, and I know you're just starving for the truth is alien, take heart. We'll come back next week with it, I promise. All right, folks. We're going to be signing off. It's JV to Pros, and we're out until next week. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>